welcome to Careers Unlocked, a podcast brought to you by the EY Foundation. The EY Foundation supports young people on free school meals to access paid work experience, employability skills and career guidance, and ultimately to further their opportunities in the world of work. We do this through a variety of programmes and partnerships that meaningfully join up both sides of the labour market. I'm Catherine Eastwood, Director of Income and Employer Partnerships at the EY Foundation, and it's a pleasure to welcome you back to Series 4 of the podcast. If you're just joining us, you've got nine amazing episodes to go back and listen to, as well as our mini-sodes filled with bite-sized segments of information. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. So, turning to today's episode, we're going to be looking at the charity sector. It goes without saying that people can truly make a difference through the charity sector whilst also having a challenging and fulfilling career. And it's an area that offers a wide range of roles from project management and strategy to fundraising, research and digital transformation. However, the non-profit sector really struggles with social mobility and overall has lower levels of diversity than the UK population. There are some clear barriers to entry for those from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and also those from ethnic minority backgrounds. So with the help of some experts, we're going to delve into this world to unveil the career pathways available and the best and fairest ways to access them. Today, I'm joined by Davina Majithia and Tanisha Zaman. Davina is the Head of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion at Nesta, the UK's Innovation Agency for Social Good. At Nesta, Davina is responsible for delivering their EDI strategy and ensuring it is continuously evolving to remain relevant and effective for all. Prior to Nesta, Davina worked at Accenture, where she specialised in talent and organisation strategies. Davina has also worked with Fortune 500 companies and NGO clients to formulate bespoke solutions to culture, talent and EDI issues. Tanisha took part in the inaugural EY Foundation Impactful Futures Programme and currently serves as an EY Foundation Ambassador. Tanisha is committed to improving affirmative action and equality in the UK, especially London, and has previously worked with the Home Office, Young People's Board and Partnership for London through the Greater London Authority. It's brilliant to have both of you with us today and I think if those intros and bios are anything to go by, we have so much to discuss. So let's just get started on the episode. Um, Davina, I'm gonna come to you first. So firstly, how are you doing today and how has your 2024 been so far? Well, yesterday at 2am, the fire alarms went off in my house for four hours. So I can't say I'm feeling the freshest I've ever felt. But in general, my 2024 is going quite well. So thanks for having me. Brilliant. Okay, well, fire alarm and lack of sleep aside, hopefully the day will pick up from here. But it's great to have you with us. So I gave a bit of an overview of your career history, but can you tell us a bit more? So firstly, was it always your plan to work in the nonprofit sector? Good question. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so I am Indian. I'm a first generation in my family to go to university as well. You know, there are a lot of pressures on minoritized people to go into high paying and you know, traditionally lucrative jobs. Mm. And I did the same. I, I left university. I had an internship during university with Accenture, a big consultancy. And I went to work for them for about five years afterwards. 
And it was only while I was working as a consultant that I realized one thing that was really important to me is that every day when I went to work, I wanted to feel like I was making a difference. So my interest in the charity sector only really came about two years into my career, where I started kind of volunteering for different organizations outside of my day job. And then also working for our not for profit arm of Accenture, where we kind of do pro bono reduced consulting work. So it wasn't something I'd always wanted to do, but I'm very happy with the choices that have led me here. Brilliant. And then in terms of your actual role, can you tell us a bit more about what it is that you do and then also how Nesta works to drive innovation in the charity sector? Yeah, so Nesta is a, a really interesting organisation. I'm going to cover off that first. So we have three missions focused on three very different things. The first is around decreasing household carbon emissions through increasing the uptake of heat pumps. Then we have another mission around tackling obesity. So we want to reduce obesity by 2030. And then the third is around improving access to early years education for two to five-year-olds. Now, particularly with the mission around obesity and then the mission around access to early years education, this has really big inclusion and diversity implications, because the more minoritized you are, the more protected characteristics that you have, you're going to be more affected by these issues. So Nesta hires people with a really diverse range of skill sets. So we have designers, academics, researchers, people that run businesses to test ideas that will help us achieve our goals. It's a really interesting place to work I've never really worked in an organization where you get so much autonomy, where you're trusted so much to go and get things done. And that's been really great. My role specifically, so we have a nine goal inclusion and diversity strategy. The first four goals are all focused internally around our pay gaps, how we recruit, how we ensure that we have an equitable recruitment process. And then also once you come into the organization, making sure that we have an inclusive culture. Then we have five separate goals after this. That's all to do with the external work that we do outside in the world with our beneficiaries. So that's how are we ensuring that we're not making gaps bigger? What does our supplier base look like? Do we have a diverse supplier base? How are we investing our money? What kinds of ideas are we investing our money in? Is it from a diverse range of people? So it's a very, very broad role but I feel really lucky to be helping Nesta take it forward. Yeah, I mean, it honestly sounds like such an incredible job. I'm sure it's a lot of hard work and and lots of competing priorities, but it sounds brilliant. And actually, I have worked with Nesta a couple of times before and been to events there, and it is such an interesting organisation. And I feel like everything you've just described might not have been what people would initially think of when they think of the non-profit sector. We'll delve into all of that a bit more deeply later, but that's such an interesting oversight. So thank you for that. Tanisha, we heard a bit about your experience with the charity sector in your bio and actually you secured a place on our first ever Impactful Futures program at the EY Foundation, which connects young people who are underrepresented in a sector with that sector and obviously with Impactful Futures, it was all about the non-profit sector. So I guess I'd love to know what initially drew you to the Impactful Futures program? That's a good question. I think my biggest drive was my love for politics. And although it's not specifically entwined with the charity sector, I noticed through my political endeavours that 
the charity sector was the basis of a lot of political movements, especially, well, I work with a lot of affirmative action. I work with schools in my borough and a lot of that came to being charitable. So I wanted to see how the charity sector worked in itself. Brilliant. No, I can imagine. And I think, like you said, those two are so inextricably linked that if you have an interest in politics to see how that plays out in society more broadly through non-profit and through charity sounds like a really good link to have we know that young people aged 18 to 24 are actually more likely than any other group to give to charity so there's obviously some very clear connection there there's a clear affiliation but what do you think the opinions are of your contemporaries in terms of the charity sector as a career pathway? Unfortunately, I do believe not a lot of young people take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think that's rooted in our education on the charity sector. I myself, before I joined EY Foundation, before I was an intern, I didn't realise the amount of jobs there were in the charity sector. Yeah, There's a massive societal picture that if you are to work in charity, you're not going to earn money, you won't be able to secure yourself. And that working in the charity sector is just bucket shaking. That's something I've heard a lot, and that's completely untrue. But I don't think a lot of young people take it seriously because of those factors. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And in terms of my own experience too, obviously I work for a charity as well, and I could never have known the amount of different roles that there are within a charity. And Tanisha, you're absolutely right. I think actually the other day I was walking back to London Bridge Station and there were some street fundraisers and I have nothing but the utmost respect for them because it was absolutely freezing and they were there with all the energy in the world trying to speak to people, like busy people, passers-by, and that in itself takes such a skill set. But then from what you and Davina have both already described in terms of your own experience and the different roles and interests you have, it really is just so wide in, in terms of the options. But obviously there's the idea of the charity sector providing a purposeful career. But Tanisha, do you think that's enough or what else is needed to make the sector attractive to young people in terms of that career option? I think the type of people that you want to bring to the charity sector are empathetic young people. And I think we need to express how much of an impact the charity sector actually makes. There needs to be more tangible evidence of how, although it may be slowly, it does make a change, especially through the EY Foundation. You may not see it, but we are breaking societal barriers. But I don't think young people see that enough because it's not marketed very well. Mm. So I think that's one way to do it. But also just to have more programmes. You won't get people who are interested if you don't give them the opportunities. So by having more programmes, more entrance level internships and opportunities, that's how we'll attract young people to the sector. Yeah, definitely. And maybe compared to some other sectors, if you think of other young people your age, how do you think the charity sector compares to, you know, looking at law or banking or communications? Is it an attractive place to work? So you mentioned it's important that they see the tangible difference that they can make. But with regards to the other things that the sector can offer, does it feel like it would be an attractive place to work? 
I believe so. So I'm a young Bengali girl and neither of my parents went to university. So it's a very big thing for me to go into these specific careers, to go into law or to be a doctor. That's what my parents want of me. Mm-hmm. But I think by marketing both the opportunities you can get from the charity sector, the financial prospects you get from it and how it actually makes a difference those will drive people to come even if there are other competitive sectors such as law such as medicine you'll never be able to eradicate their popularity and I don't think the charity sector would ever actually be able to match their popularity neither but in its own way it can flourish just by bringing in people slowly yeah and maybe it's actually that awareness that there are so many jobs like being a lawyer or being a financial director or a CFO or a head of innovation within the charity sector too and it's not that traditional street fundraiser role that obviously who are incredibly important to the sector but maybe the traditional view and that it's so much broader than that. Davina, can you discuss some of the key skills and experiences that are essential for young people looking to start a career in the charity sector? So there are apprentices. So at Nesta, we do have apprenticeships. There's a grad scheme called Charity Works as well. That's a UK charity focused grad scheme. There's entry level roles, which will, you know, they are competitive, but they exist. There's an organisation called 10,000 Black Interns as well that is focused on black talent and initially I think it started in the corporate sector but I think they have now started in the charity sector Um, and then there's other internships as well and then another option is was what I did where you go down the corporate route first and then you jump over but there are lots of routes into the charity sector but the skills that you know we're looking for in a young person it's never actually knowledge it's a hunger to learn and being interested in the purpose being able to absorb information, ask great questions and just give everything a go. And, you know, I remember from when I started out in my career, I was always told, we're never going to expect you to produce something perfect, but Mm -hmm. we just want you to give it a go. Whenever I've managed young people Mm -hmm. and as I've grown in my career, that's what I feel as well. Your first two years of work, they're not about presenting perfect presentations to the CEO they're about getting as much experience as you can and the most diverse range of experience that you can so I'm not someone that was ever good at maths or numbers but Mm. in the first few years of my career I did have to build financial models Mm. and I did have lots of data analysis and it was really scary and there were some late nights this is when I was working in consulting not in the charity sector but those moments are what took me to where I am Mm -hmm. today and the things that you're doing at the beginning of your career you don't think that they're relevant but just being adaptable allows you to learn so much and you will use those skills again later down the line. Yeah I mean I can only agree with you there I think for me there's definitely something around working in a charity you have that mission that genuinely really really brings people together and I think if you can use that as your drive it's a sector where you can 
try so many different careers within one business and if you show that determination and like you said your willingness to try anything you know I see my colleagues try in lots of different roles within the EY foundation as well and it can be such a steep learning curve and I think often we use the phrase like-minded people and I actually don't think that's a really useful phrase I don't think we should be surrounded by like-minded people but I think within the charity sector what you find is people with shared values and that binds them together and within that you can see your skills adapt in lots of different ways. Davina do you think that those core skills needed are changing and I ask that because at the EY Foundation even in the last couple of years we have been focusing a lot more on what we can do digitally and how we can keep up with thinking about AI and our programs and what that means and, and we're seeing all of these new skills and careers even within our own organization so do you think the skills needed are changing? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I think there are always going to be additional skills that are needed. So, Mm -hmm. for example, AI is a really great example of that. But I think the core skills, you know, we have bands in our organizations. You know, when someone comes in as a band one, those skills haven't changed. It's adaptability, willingness to learn, asking questions and having those shared values. I think it really has stayed the same. I think one thing I really would like to get across to our listeners is that the charity sector for a long time has not been a place where diverse people have come to work. Mm -hmm. Charity sector is recognizing that they need to change. But when you are applying for jobs in the charity sector, you can learn a lot about what type of organization you're going to work for by what's on their website. And I really kind of encourage you, if you're applying for jobs in the charity sector, like any job, look at what their EDI commitment is. Do they publish that? Look at their gender pay Mm -hmm. gap. Have they published their ethnicity pay gap? Things like that. What organizations don't say is almost as telling as what they do say. Mm -hmm. I think there is so much potential to grow in the charity sector, but you also need to pick carefully as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good advice to be mindful of the commitments that an organization is making and what they stand for and how they're going to support their employees actually I guess before we get further into advice we can give young people in terms of social mobility and the barriers that you see there being to the charity sector what would you say the biggest challenges are and how can young people overcome them so my understanding is that the volume of applications to some of these charity sector roles are really really high so it's about very much being yourself in the application. I would warn anyone against using ChatGPT or any kind of AI in their applications. We can tell and you automatically can't be taken through the process if you have used it. So be yourself. There are barriers in that. They're competitive processes and there will be bias in recruitment processes, but a lot of organizations are working hard to challenge those biases within the recruitment process. At Nesta, we do anonymized recruitment. So we don't see names, we don't see CVs. We ask you to answer three questions that aren't based on experience either, that only focused on scenarios. So we're looking at your potential to be able to do a role. You know, there are some jobs out there where their entry-level roles where they're asking for something like five years experience Mm -hmm. and that's not something that that we do I think the barriers exist but you know control what you can control so if there's a charity that you really want to go and work for 
go on LinkedIn, see who's been in similar entry-level roles, send them a message on LinkedIn, make sure your LinkedIn is really up to date. Some organizations do really look at that. If you're sending someone a message and saying, hey, I really want to meet you for a coffee, say in the message what you want to know from them and also be really mindful of who you're asking. Mm -hmm. If you're messaging a CEO, they're probably not going to reply. But if you're messaging someone who's in an entry-level role, a fundraising analyst who joined six months ago, they might be much more willing to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, some organizations are using anonymized recruitment and some don't. There are different approaches for that as well. So Nest uses anonymized recruitment. Having a coffee chat with someone isn't going to help you get an interview in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a very, very rigid process. So thinking about what you want to get out of the different conversations that you're having. And also, like, I really can't kind of stress it enough just be yourself in the application process and and in the interviews Mm -hmm. okay that's great advice and and really good to spell out clearly the chat gpt because i could imagine that that might be a more prevalent thing that you're seeing and there might be quite a strong temptation to use that to get lots of applications out or cover letters or whatever else but I think you've really hammered home that point of how authenticity is what's going to be key in that case and you know I think there has been with the charity sector and some other too but there's been a a bit of a an historic assumption that people should work for free or volunteer just for free because of the purposeful side of the sector but actually it's great to hear that organizations are really holding themselves to account in this and trying to be much more equitable in terms of those entry-level pathways and paid internships and everything else but also good to note as you've said that there are ways that candidates can go above and beyond with regards to their own research LinkedIn reaching out and making themselves a really attractive candidate those are all really useful thank you for that Tanisha just coming back to you with regards to barriers to entry that you see to the charity sector how are you preparing yourself to overcome any of those potential barriers I think my biggest method is having a growth mindset and always researching. You won't be able to break the class barriers and you won't be able to conduct social mobility if you're not putting effort into yourself. So one good thing I really did was I listened to podcasts such as this. (laughs) I watched YouTube videos and I really developed my LinkedIn. As Davina said, I think that's very important. Almost every single role I've achieved I saw it on LinkedIn or I saw skills that would be compatible for it on LinkedIn. I think my biggest way of harnessing skills is watching other people and how they do it. Having a mentor, I think that's very important. And always asking questions. If you're not curious, you won't be able to solve the issues you have. Brilliant. Okay, so growth mindset and curiosity. I couldn't agree more on both of those things. You briefly mentioned mentorship. How important do you think networking and mentorship are in achieving success in the charity sector or career-wise generally and can you tell us a bit more about the ways that you're using those resources? I think they're immensely powerful to navigate yourself in the charity sector so I for one had a mentor she was from Great Ormond Street Hospital her name was Veronica and she was 
outstanding in helping me navigate what I wanted to do in the charity sector. I'm very passionate about law and politics and I really wanted to merge that with my want to work in the charity sector. And she introduced to me roles that I had never heard of before, such as a legacy officer, Mm -hmm. which I found so interesting. I didn't know that was a career. I didn't know it was possible to even conduct law within a charity. So I think having a mentor is very important because they'll tell you what is compatible for you. They'll navigate you with what you need. And she really helped me create a work-life balance which really helped me with my ASs and I ended up getting an A star. Brilliant, well done. Thank you. I think it's fantastic to have a mentor. And if you're not able to get a mentor through platforms such as the EY Foundation, I think reaching out to people, even if it's on Instagram or Facebook, that's very powerful because that is how you make your networks. Mm. And even if that person you didn't reach out to becomes your network, they might give you advice on who to go to. Yeah, and I think actually sometimes people can be hesitant to reach out to people on LinkedIn or to ask for a meeting because they don't want to be a burden on time. But honestly, anybody who's ever reached out to me in that capacity, I just feel so privileged that I can help them if I can at all. I think people actually love to help and people love to be asked to help. So Tanisha, I think that's such good advice you know you don't just walk into a network you do make your own and the term networking can be a bit flashy at times but actually it just means talking to people and asking those questions and asking for help um Davina have you ever had a mentor or or do you mentor anybody in the sector I've had lots of mentors over the course of my career people that I when I'm facing a challenge at work that I can reach out to people who I stay connected with When I was much younger and I kind of looked at other people and their networks, it was something I never understood. I never understood how you achieve a network or anything like that. It feels like this incredibly daunting thing. But bit by bit, you'll go to an event and you'll just connect with someone. The biggest bit of advice I can give you with mentorship is don't force a relationship. Mm. The relationship will come naturally. And there are people where I've just met when I was in consulting or, you know, wherever it was, and we've stayed connected over the years. I think working in the inclusion and diversity space, it's a very small and it's a very niche space in Mm -hmm. many regards. So I have mentors now in the way that I used to when I was more junior in my career. But I absolutely have people that I call on when I want career advice, when I'm making a difficult decision. I think mentors are always relevant. I also just wanted to go back to something that Tanisha was saying around the work that she's done on herself and the connections that she's built. And that is so important as a young person to have this growth mindset. But companies also need to be doing that work as well. We want you coming into organizations where you feel happy and where you feel safe and where you have opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it is a two way street you're doing all the work and you've gone into an organization where you feel like you are being taken for granted that's not a positive relationship it has to be a two-way thing so as you decide what kind of path you take make sure that you're getting the benefits of wherever you are because we spend eight, nine, 10 hours a day in these places. And you need to make sure that it's a place where you can grow and be happy and that they're facilitating what you want from your career as well. Yeah, I think it's such an important point. You know, we talked about the barriers to overcome, but in an ideal world, we don't want those barriers to be there at all. So I think that 
that dual accountability and actually more so the accountability of the employer to make sure that not only is the career as accessible as possible, but that it's one that genuinely seeks to nurture and support each individual that comes in. Okay, we're almost out of time, but just very last minute, Tanisha, what would you say to people your age thinking about a career in the charity sector? What would be your tips or last minute advice to them? Just go for it. Go with whatever your gut feeling is. If that is what attracts you, don't listen to what anybody else has to say, because at the end of the day, it's what makes you happy. And it's about you making an impact on the world, what you're going to be remembered for. And if you think the charity sector is that, and go and do it. Brilliant. Tanisha, I feel like I could listen to that every morning to start me off the day, right? That was lovely. Davina, what about you? Any last minute pieces of advice or what you'd say to, to young people listening to this podcast thinking, I'm a bit interested in the charity sector, but I'm not sure where to start? I would say often when you're first starting out in your career, you feel like everything is out of your control, mm-hmm. but you are in the driver's seat and you can make the changes that you want to see and if a situation isn't working out for you try another one brilliant okay well I think that brings us to a natural close a huge thank you to both of you for such a good discussion thank you all for listening if you like today's episode please click to follow us and leave a review five stars would be ideal in fact please share the podcast with someone that you think would benefit from it because we want to try and help as many people as possible that's all for today we'll be back soon with more fantastic guests on the next episode of the series but in the meantime keep an eye out for the mini-sode thanks again for listening and see you soon 